Welcome to another episode of Frontline Magic Podcast. In this episode, we are talking to Jim Penman, owner of Jim's Group. Jim is one of the most successful businessmen in Australia. What started out as a one-man band with $24 investment in 1982 has expanded to over 4,400 franchisees. At the age of 69, Jim is not planning to stop anytime soon. And in this episode, Jim shares his experience and passion for constant improvement. So tag along as we uncover the secrets of a great customer experience. Thanks, Jim, for taking the time to talk to me today. I must say that I'm very impressed with you and your passion for business. And I think I read in your book that you are planning to do this job for at least another 20 years. So I'm a bit curious to know what is it, what is the key to your success and the motivation to keep you going every day after all these years? I just, I just can't imagine anything more fun than what I'm, what I'm really doing. So but, what? You know, because the key to business is, is it's not so much doing something, it's working out how to do it better. So every day in my life, every day, I'm asking myself that question, how can you do it better? It's never boring. It's always challenging. It's always interesting. Even this last week, there's a whole stack of things that we do differently. Just, just a pretty example came up yesterday afternoon, all right? We're looking for a salesperson to help us sell franchises. And we want to have a, a system where there's a relatively modest amount of money paid to the salesperson and a good commission. So we offered a deal where it's you know $50,000 base plus a commission of two and a half thousand dollars. I'm just counting the actual figures for every person you bring on. And we got virtually no response. So I thought, okay, why don't we try it differently? Why don't we offer them 70,000 base? And then we offer them $2,500 commission after the first 12. Now that was kind of like a problem, a solution. Now, whether it actually works, I don't know, but it quite possibly will. And this is just something that came up you know, like like last night when I was having a chat in the office, we we're just talking about the situation. So we thought, why don't we try this one? Yeah. Every day, there's there's more and more stuff. Every every day, there's things coming up, and and you just it's just fun. It's in fun in an unbelievable sense. Like yeah. I can't, I can't think of anything more enjoyable to do with your life than, than a really really fun business. Of course, you know you've got to have family and stuff and purpose and everything else. But you see, also as a franchisor, I get a lot of enjoyment out of um just just the response i mean i'll just give you an example that came in this morning and this is this is two of them uh what did, what did they say this this just came in an hour ago um this is a message i sent to somebody just been going for a month hi jim it's been a totally life-changing experience my first month with jim's loan i have jobs from leads and promotional services for friends family and neighbors so far and some of them i can turn into regular clients so they're doing freebies which is great which is what we pay them for. Chris Hansen always keeps me in touch uh, through email, his franchisor or support in every way. I keep looking forward to getting more busy time, more jobs in coming spring and summer. Thank you. And I wrote him back also a letter saying just, just how, how impressed I was also because his customer service rating is so great. Now, that's just one example of something that came in just before I spoke to you. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. That's this guy's so excited, so happy. He's doing such a great job. He loves his franchisor. How do you think it makes me feel? Because one of the things you see is what we think of in franchising is that, and this is statistics, you can look it up online. Look up the 
the likelihood of a person failing in their first year in business, the typical gardening, cleaning businesses, the actual failure rate between 90 and 95%. With us, it's 12%. And that's mm. not zero. And that 12% might include people going independent or having a health issue or going back to their previous job, you know, whatever. But it's still, we achieve that. And people like this. And actually, I could quote you another one too. It just came in this morning. There's two that came in this morning. They're very similar. Isn't that, isn't that a wonderful thing to be able to get when you get up in the morning? So what? That's just, just amazing to start your day like that. <laughs> You're taking the time every day to reply to them as well. It feels oh, yes. like that's one of your daily habits that you have. Well, this typically yeah. responds very fast. Every franchisee in Jim's group has my direct phone number and a direct email address. And don't ask me to give my phone number because I won't give it to anybody. But anybody outside of Jim's, but anybody inside of Jim's can contact me anytime, evenings, Weekends, doesn't matter. You just contact me if you've got a problem and I will respond fast. Yeah. That's good. And that's something that I can do. And has that always been part of the business that you've been really hands-on and, and always oh, yeah. Yeah. been there? And do you think I, that's, I also that's look at every, every complaint that comes in too, every poor survey that comes in, I actually look at personally and try and deal with it and see what went wrong and how we can change it, how we can improve it. I'm very hands-on. I've always been like that. Yes. Yeah. And do you think that's one of the keys to your success? Well, it is. It is, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> one, of, one of my, one of my um, advantages, in a way, is that I'm so incompetent at doing most things that most of the actual work of the business gets done by the people, you know, all the accounts and things like that. And I've got wonderful people who do this. So I can just focus on these one or two things that I actually do and because and, because I'm not really need anywhere else. So that, that yeah. kind of works. Yeah, that's, if I'm that's... doing things, I probably wouldn't have the time for it, but I'm not, so I have to. I do what I can do. Do you have Do you have a story from early on in your career where you received some feedback or yeah had a conversation with one of your employees that really transformed the the industry to another direction? Well, there, look, there are so many cases actually. <laughs> yeah. We would change something in the business based on a franchisee feedback, probably at least once every fortnight. We, we, all the time, listening, listening, listening. Let me give you one conversation, which is really interesting. When I started off gyms as a franchise, I spent nine months arguing with lawyers. And one of the major things that we argued about is they kept on saying, Jim, you're being too nice because I was making my contract so favorable to franchisee. That was my concept. I wanted a franchise that I wanted to join, but you had to be mad not to join. And the office is up against a major competitor, 250 franchisees, more money, more everything, more experience. And I, I started from nothing, okay, trying to fight this. So I thought I'm going to make the best contract possible. So I spent all this time arguing with lawyers. And the lawyer said to me, Jim, you know, you are so naive about franchising. To be a franchisor, you've got to have flexibility. You've got to give yourself more power. And I said, I don't want that. I want my franchisees to have mm -hmm. this control. Okay. Some, and they said, you're going to, you're going to soften this down with time. Now, as an example, some probably 10 years later, one of my franchisees from New, um, Tasmania rang me and said, I'm not happy with my franchisor. And I said, what's the problem? And he said, this guy is brutal. He is, he is unpleasant. He doesn't listen. He doesn't, he's not nice to us. He's doing everything he should do with meetings and stuff and response, but he's not very pleasant. And there was nothing in our contract that allowed us to do anything about that because he was formally doing all the right things. But in the sense, the franchises weren't happy with him. Mm. So what I actually did is I used a 
sort of a method of persuasion to get this franchisor to agree to a change to his contract, whereby if a majority of his franchisees in a confidential survey wanted him to sell his business, to exit, then he had to do it. So I put this into the contract. And then sometime later, he obviously didn't think he was that unpopular. I explained to him, but he wasn't listening. Mm. But sometime later, he actually did that. And, and he had to sell. And this, and mind you, he sold. He made a lot of money. He actually sold it for hundreds of thousands of dollars, much more than he paid for it. So he didn't do too bad. But that then became a clause in every franchisee and every franchisor contract. And that is revolutionary because what it means is that every franchisor, including myself, I've got directly lots of franchisees myself, every franchisee can vote out their franchisor for no other reason than that they're not happy with them. And what that means is that we as franchisors have to look after our franchisees as our top priority just based on that. That's a very, very big change to the organization. And it came about because one franchisee had the guts to bring me up and, and ask me. Yeah. Say, what do you do? The big the biggest change in customer service came when we instituted surveys some years back. Yeah. So we actually um, electronically automatically send a text to every client asking them to rate us. And actually, the moment it's, it's very simple in the latest, it's based on a five star rating, but basically, G, G good is, 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 five b bad is one and they can also yeah. say too expensive price so there's other options so we've done that yeah that's had a, that, that, that's had a massive impact because first of all if a client's not happy with we're much more likely to know about it they'll tell us but also it's actually a positive recognition thing for franchisees and franchisees really 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 like these surveys they love their ratings so if you've got something like a four point eight or 4.9 or 5.0 rating. That's a very, very big thing with us. So what actually happens is if they get a poor rating, they will do whatever they can to try and make that client happy. They'll yeah. Do, that. do it again. I'll give you a refund. I'll give anything to make, to make the client happy. And that's what they have to do. And if they do that, they send it back to me. I'll change the survey. But that's, see, that happened. We started doing surveys, I think, about six years ago. Um, now, I didn't know quite what the response is, but something really, really odd happened. In the early days at gyms, it was fairly difficult to find work. I used to have teams of campuses knocking on doors, literally, to find work. Mm. After we put the survey system in especially, we started to find the amount of the volume work started to rise, the leads started to come up. Now, this is not because of extra advertising. In fact, we've cut down the advertising. We've actually given back more than a million bucks to franchisees in unusable advertising. We can't spend wow. their money because they're so busy in so many, not every division, but divisions like mowing and fencing in particular, we give them back the money. And last year, one in three of our jobs was unserviced. We just cannot cope with the flood of work. Now, that, to me, that relates to is surveys because what that's done is it's had a, such an obvious lift. And you can actually check it yeah. by looking at the, at the actual complaints people going in directly. Pre-franchise day when I had subcontractors, 100 leads, 100 complaints. It was shocking. I was really bad. <laughs> After we did the franchise system for, you know, about 10 years, we started monitoring. We found it was down to 5%. That's a lot better, isn't it? Okay. And then we started monitoring the complaints and putting out warning letters and breaches and stuff like that. So not many franchises get, but the ones that do are bad tend to get a lot more. And it started to come down and down. Then the surveys come in. Latest figures, it's well under 1%. It's a 99% plus improvement 
in customer service based on that simple metric. That's, yeah. that's exciting. And, that's... and people don't comprehend that they are so focused on advertising and all this stuff, but everything's about reputation. Everything's about great service at every level. When you're talking to franchisees, whether you're talking, because they're our primary client, or with the clients in the field, if you've got a Mayfield with great service, it's so easy to be successful. I also read in your book that you do something called proactive call. Proactive calls. Yeah, yes. yeah. yeah. Tell me, tell me what, what is that? <laughs> okay, now, um, see, in the beginning, we didn't understand very much about what would make franchisees happy. Um, I found, for example, that the meetings were incredibly important. We didn't think so at the beginning. We thought it was nice to have a meeting, but we didn't realize. And we found out the less meetings people had, the less likely they were to succeed. In fact, if there was no meetings, they mostly didn't last long term, right in the beginning. Mm. We quickly discovered that. But then we thought, okay, what are you going to do? Obviously, franchisees need you to respond to questions fast. That's a very important issue. That's clearly. But we thought, okay, the best way to make franchisees successful would be to spend time with them. So every year we had this system where you'd spend half a day with the franchisee going through their business in detail. And then we measured what effect that had. And you know what the effect was? Zero. There was absolutely no impact on how lucky they were to be successful, how long they stayed with us, how happy they were, nothing, no difference at all. Oh, wow. But I was also looking at different franchisors and we measure, we've got like 300 franchisors, so we're measuring how well they do, how happy their franchisee is, how the, their attrition rate, which is a really important stat for us. And what's obvious is some franchisors were doing so much better than others. And I remember talking to one of my franchisees, franchisors in fencing, and he was talking about these, these um, half-day sessions. And he said, look, Jim, I really don't need to do this because I know all these answers to these questions. And I said, how do you know? And he said, because I ring them. I said, I just ring them every month and I ask them. And what I started to do was to look at that. And I found that there were some franchisors who were doing this, who were actually ringing every month, not just waiting, not just waiting for a response, but actually mm -hmm. even if they rung you, you ring them and say, mate, how are you going? They were so much happier. And we also found that they, the more often they were rung, the, the less likely they were to leave, and the more likely, the more positive they were about the whole thing. So we discovered that and became part of the system. We said every franchisor's got to do it. And yeah. then every year we, we actually ask franchisees directly, have you anonymously, confidentially, franchisor doesn't know how they answer, you know, have you, how often does your franchisor ring you? And we found also that, that weekly is even better than monthly. Like it's strange, you know, you'd think that a half day business review would be so successful, but no effect. But ringing somebody up every week or, or a couple of times a week in the early days and just saying, mate, how are you going? What happened with that job last week we were discussing? You know, how's, how's your wife's operation? Relationship. And then meeting every six weeks and stuff and then building. We're just learning how to do these things so much better. What would you say are the secret recipe to make sure that you create that great experience for your franchisees? Well, they've got to feel relationship is very important. It's it's in the beginning, what we offer franchisees to a large extent is work. And that's one of the reasons that people succeed, because on the whole, they get busy very, very quickly. And if they're not, don't have enough work, they can just go and do free services and we pay them for them for that builds their business. So in the long term, you know, we've got franchises, many franchises who haven't taken jobs for years, but they still stay with us. They still love the brand. Um, because that sense of community, it, people often talk about it being a family. 
Look, let me give you an example. It's, it's a horrible, it's a horrible, horrible example, but I wanted to show you what that means. A couple of years back, um, one of my franchisees, my own franchisees in Western Australia, went crazy and he killed his three little girls and his wife and his mother-in-law. He killed them. Now, it wasn't oh a problem with his business. He actually said his business was strong. He just had some inner demon that, that caused him to do this dreadful thing. It's the worst thing that's ever happened to us. That's why I say it's a horrible story. Mm. But this is what's interesting. Um, everybody was really, really, really upset. Now, and I went over to, um, sorry, it's hard to even talk about this. I went over to Perth. And, I, and I had, we had a meeting in a golf club there and all the franchisees in the state were, were invited and there was like about 300 or something, about 250 there, it was a good attendance. Now, most of, these, most of these people, they didn't even know this guy directly, but this sense of community was so strong that there was this incredible sense of, of sadness, of, of grief, of, of, of hurt mm. in this room. And, and I said to them, what can we do? What can we do to make this less likely to happen in future? And, um, and I came up with some ideas. One of them was that every franchisee should get a, a fridge magnet, which with all the emergency stickers that go on their fridge. So we, we actually did that. Um, they also suggested that franchisors should have, should have mental health training, which we're now doing. Everybody to become a franchisor in gyms does a half day course. In, in looking after mental health. Another thing they suggested was that maybe if we had a system of mentoring, if, if franchisees could volunteer to actually be mentors so that somebody can call them, I and they can always call their fellow franchisees or their franchisor, but if there was somebody else who was just part of the system that they could call and they could ask for advice and help if they were feeling bad. Mm. And I said, that's an awful lot to ask of anybody to do all this sort of work for nothing. But would any of you volunteer to do this? And you know what? Most of the franchisees in that room put up their hand. Most of them. That's an example of that sense of community, of mutual yeah. caring. This is this is like years later. They're, they're doing this. There's a whole stack of them all over the place. We've got people who are volunteered to do this particular job. So that, okay, what can you say about that? But you know the thing I'm most proud of is that most franchisees in gyms could really share my attitude. They really genuinely care for their people. Yeah. Can't put a price on that. No, definitely not. And I feel I think that's really reflected in your in your leadership style too. That you have that connection with them all the time and and really respond to them and give them personal feedback as well. Don't paint me as some sort of a, a paragon of virtue. I have many faults. I, I am I am very short tempered. I am very abrupt. So let's talk about let's talk about an ex example of failure then, where you really you know didn't it didn't turn out as you wanted to, but you learned something from it. Oh, where do I start? Because <laughs> there must be a lot of lessons that you've been learning along the years I, 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 i'm very impulsive i rush into things i go into businesses i don't know much about like for example i started a factory to do to, to make trailers for our dog wash people and you know it's not my business and it was it was ridiculous we lost a lot of money i have a research project which i'm running which is my in a sense is my my overall moral purpose in life is is to do research into the into the basically the epigenetics of human behavior i think it can affect the change the world for the better. That's in a sense yeah. of money. And we spend a couple of million dollars a year on it. Now, one of the things I actually did 
in an attempt to get that going was to fund the start of a, a psychology institute to teach psychology. And it cost me millions. It was just a really stupid thing to do. What I've done is got rid of that, gave it away basically. And now I've got my research institute running separately and stuff, but that cost me millions. So that's two of my bigger mistakes in financial terms. Um, yeah. And sometimes you make mistakes too. You choose the wrong person. You know, you put the wrong person in the job and you don't realize it. In terms of recruitment, do you have any any um, guidelines that you follow or any template that you, any questions that you always ask? Well, we, we try and recruit internally because if somebody's, if you want to get a good franchisor, the, 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 the best thing you can do is find somebody who's already a great franchisee. So we look at people internally. People who work I think a lot of uh, successful businesses are built on having people starting from the bottom and then working their way up and they really understand the whole picture of the business. And if, therefore... if I was to name one person, and there's, there's probably a several, but one person business who was incredibly great, it's a guy called Haider Hussain, who's, who's, who was actually a cleaner um, 20 years ago. He just started, just rang in with his 20-year anniversary. Um, congratulations. I ring my people on their big anniversaries. And um, he started 20 years ago this week um, as a cleaner. He was a cleaner himself. He bought a cleaning franchise. He's got nearly a thousand franchises un underneath him. This guy's clearing well over a million bucks a year. He's and and he's just so wrapped in what he's achieved. Yeah. Isn't, that, isn't that wonderful? You know, didn't do. He didn't spend four years at university getting his massive student debt. Or another young bloke, Dan Carl. He's just a uh, he, he's a wonderful guy. He's he actually dropped out of year ten. He couldn't, he couldn't face schooling. He went to work for McDonald's, which is a fantastic training. Dreadful food, it's disgusting, unhealthy. But as an organization, as a training organization, as a franchisors, they are, we, we really admire McDonald's. So he worked for McDonald's, started the lawn mowing franchise, making a half million dollars a year, a couple of years later, three years later. And he's now actually helping to train our new franchisees, telling the story. I mean, yeah. it's wonderful. I really feel a great buzz of, of happiness when you've got a franchisee you give them leads yes but you talk to them you answer their calls you ring them you run meetings you do everything you can to help them be successful you know we even things like the way you train people matters a great deal because you can measure it you know we used to lose remember i told you nutrition rate and you can look this up online yeah but a typical opinion guide is about 90 to 95 percent in the first year now we were typically running around about 17 percent losing in the first year that's a very simple statistic for us we're very keen on statistics yeah. we did this year after year in different states and then we said okay can we improve on this can we do better we put together this training course yeah. very with which is the basic structure we run now first year we ran it the attrition rate dropped to ten and a half percent it's gone up a little bit since then it's 12 percent but we've just done a complete change what can you do to help you be successful see 70 percent's not bad but 12% is a heck of a lot better because that means that one third of the people that we were losing in the first year, we're not losing now. Yeah. So how, so do you, um, do you have more tools like that that you do for your franchisees that help them improve their service? Well, the biggest change we're going through right now is, is a program called Jim's Jobs, which actually has been around for years, but we, I mean, we, it's just, it's always been basically free from the beginning but we've developed it so it's an online tool and it's it, we're putting all kinds of stuff in it that will help franchisees to be successful. For example, if they can't get through to a client, the thing we always tell our franchisees is you must send a text 
and in the text you must tell them you tried to call and invite them to call you back. Now that might sound simple, but believe me, we lose yeah. thousands of jobs here because they just leave, they leave a voice message, you know, listen to it. Or they, they email a quote, but they don't confirm it with a text. So this is going to do it automatically. So we're looking at all the things that go wrong. And the more, the more problems people have with customer service, the worse money they make. We know that from our surveys. I reckon with this, we can dramatically, dramatically improve the, the way they operate their business and we can have to make them more successful. Now we're currently spending $5 million a year on software development. This is a massive, massive investment in all this. Yeah. But by the end of the year, I'm expecting we're gonna have a system that will make our franchisees an order of magnitude more successful by looking at all the things that go wrong and saying, how can we help you to do this better? Yeah. Amazing. And so the, <laughs> that's really impressed. It feels like you're trying to cover every, every corner that's possible just to help your franchisees as much as possible to really create a great customer experience. A year from now, I'll tell you there's a whole lot of things we were doing wrong back in 2020, 2021 that we're now, we've learned and we're doing better every day, every day you ask the question. That's what I say to franchisees in the beginning. It's not so much a matter whether you are brilliant or whether you have a lot of money or whether you experience. One thing that matters is do you take the attitude that says, I today, what can I do better? How can I improve? And if you look at the great people and they're, and they're always, always, always improving, they think customers are number one, it's very important. And I want my franchisees to give fantastic service because I know, just as an example, if you look at the relationship between customer service and success, it's very striking. We want to think we divided our, our franchisees into four groups based on levels of customer service. Now, most of them are pretty good. There's a few in the bottom that aren't quite so good. But, but there were some that are top that are really fantastically good. And then we actually cost-correlated that with a question from the franchisee survey where we asked them about their income. Now, we never asked them what they're making but we asked them, is your income good? Is your income satisfactory? Is your income poor? Mm. Now, I'd love to say that every franchisee said income was good, but in fact, it's about 45% good, 45% satisfactory, and 10% poor. But what's interesting about this is if you look at the different groups of these and look at the proportion that report this, in the top group, 3% said their income was poor. Now, that doesn't mean yeah. zero. They could have been starting up problems, who knows what, but 3% said poor bottom group 25%. So if we can actually get every franchisee to give great service, how much difference would it make to their life and their lifestyle and their families? Yeah. So on a daily basis, what does that involve for you to really make sure that they improve their service? Any survey or complaint that they want to challenge comes to me. So they come to me and they say, this is why I should this this complaint or this bad survey should be because people yeah. are very concerned about this every day i'm sort of coaching people how to do better and that's multiple times a day they won't listen to they won't read their e the newsletters and if they do they don't pay any attention to them i spend a lot more a lot more of my emails and i would i would i would have emails from probably about i don't know 15 20 franchisees a day most of most of my interaction with franchisees is positive i'm congratulating them saying what a great record you've got that sort of thing again and again and again, coming from the head of the company, I think makes a lot of difference. So the actual way this works is it's much more in terms of positive. Yes, you've done well. Congratulations. What is it that James does differently from other franchises uh, when it comes to the culture of the company? 
we had a guy called Brian Duckett who came out from the UK who'd been involved, this is a national conference quite a while back, who'd been involved in franchising for 20 years. And he'd involved in dozens and dozens of different franchise systems. He came to our national conference where our franchise also meeting in Queensland that year. And he said to me afterwards, I have never in all my career seen anything like the culture that you have. And this is a culture where everything's about serving franchises and putting franchises first. And that's mm. one of the proudest things I've ever heard. Yeah. So what, what happens is this. First of all, and this is really, I mean, with all due modesty, this culture is me. My passion from the beginning was to look after my franchisees. I didn't think I'd be so successful. I just have an emotional driver. As a, as a, as a doorman contractor, I hate letting my clients down. As a franchisor, I wanted my franchisees to be successful. It's a really deep-seated... Now, I talk about this a lot. You've heard me for the last half hour or so. You know what I'm like. Well, yeah. believe I can talk for two hours about such things, and, and, and it's, it's, it's a powerful message. So, first of all, I talk a lot. So people come into gyms. They read my book. Often that's what attracts them. They read yeah. the book, and they like the culture. Um, and, and that's actually a source of where a lot of our best people come from. They read the book, and they say, this appeals. This is the way I think. These are my values. And the people who actually come for that reason tend to be the best ones too. And then they come in and they get training. And the first two hours of training is me talking with extreme passion about customer service and service to franchisees and what you can expect. So, and then I talk to them regularly and then there's things going on all the time. And then there's all these systems of, of platinum and, and, and diamond surveys and this kind of stuff. And then there's, then there's the lionizing, making heroes, people who do this stuff well, and they're held up as examples all the time. People learn from them. So the culture becomes incredibly powerful. It's yeah. not beneficial. Not every franchisor is like that, but overwhelmingly they are. So is there, yeah, what are kind of like the key um, pillars for the culture as you would describe it? A lot of things is, is personal influence. Like if you look at divisions like cleaning or like um, dog wash, they actually reflect the divisional founders because they have a lot of contact with them. So in actual fact, so much of it's personal influence, but it's also the mechanisms. And how do you recognize people? If you're recognizing somebody based on how much money they're making, now, we do care about growth, and that is a big fact. If you don't grow, if you go backwards, you're going to be in trouble. But it's not the big emphasis. It's always based on support. It feels like you have this obsessive drive to constantly change and improve, and you don't really accept you know, the standards of service as like, this is good enough. You always want to make it better. Do you nothing, have... nothing is ever good enough. Nothing is ever good enough. If I had every franchisee in the world was 100% happy except for one, it's not good enough. If every customer is looked after properly, except for one, it's not good enough. You can never be, be good enough. So how, how are you making sure that this message is delivered across the whole business? So people really live with that, that this is you know, like it's said, not good enough. It, it trickles down. Like I, I do have contact with a lot of franchisees and franchisors directly. Multiple people contact me all the time. And, and the message is always the same. Now, everything changes, but the focus, our first priority is franchisees. We're also passionate about customer service. We sign any franchisees and franchisors we are convinced will succeed. That's been there from the beginning. That doesn't change. The core values, the core culture doesn't change, but everything else changes. There's a wonderful book called, uh, there's two books called Built to Last, Good to Great. Have you, I don't know if you know them. Uh, this um, 
columnist this guy did, they did some surveys of successful companies and they tried to work out what they had in common. And yeah. he said it was really difficult. They spent years on this thing. And the only thing they could actually find in the end is that every one of these successful companies, long-term successful companies, they had a core value, a core purpose, whether it was technology like Hewlett Packard or whether it was something else. And everything else changed. But that didn't change. And everybody who came into the organization either adopted the core values or they were spat out. They left or they were fired. So mm. that's what you've got to do. You've got to establish this powerful, powerful culture. And it goes into a bit of a gym that's very personal. You see, you're talking about a franchisee. It, it, we're not talking about talking to the franchise all once a year. They talk to them typically at least once a week, most of them. Yeah. Once a week, they're talking to the franchise or this common theme of service. And just yeah. what it's about, one word is service. Service to franchisees, service to customers. So can you tell me uh, how you drive innovation in your company and how you encourage your employees to do so too? Because it feels like you're constant, you know, you started with the own blowing business, but you're constantly building and innovating. Um, yeah, okay. as part of your business. How do you have that kind of structure in your business to do so? I'm a very innovative person myself. I mean, I'm a terrible at a lot of things, but I'm very, very creative in the way I look at things. But our system is very decentralized. Franchisees and franchisors, within their broad parameters of service, which is very strong, they have an enormous amount of freedom to try different things. Now, when you've got 300 franchisors, many of them very capable, all trying different things, you quickly get the idea of what works. It's like this business about weekly calls and so forth and what kinds of conversations you have with a franchisee. So you've got 300 people and you've got 4,000 plus franchisees all trying different things all the time and then sharing the information. And even within my own staff, one of my basic rules is I'm, I tend to react really, really quickly to things. Now, what actually happens is that when one of my staff comes up with an idea my immediate think thought is don't say no, don't even mention it, just say, what's the worst that can happen if this idea doesn't work out? And if it's nothing very serious, then I say, okay, give it a go. I do that all the time, you know, multiple times a week. Somebody who comes to me with, I want to do this, sure, do it. <laughs> what's the craziest? It's very important to motivate and let people understand that it's they're okay, it's okay to fail. What's what's not what's not okay is not not to try. Yeah. And so if you make a mistake, I don't I don't make a big thing about it. I'm a very forceful character, so it's easy for me to overpower people if I'm not very careful. So I'm always yeah. trying to encourage people to understand that we want them to innovate and, and, and respect new ideas and new ways of thinking. I'll give you an example. This lady called Megan, who's actually, she came to work for me quite a few, a few years back, and she'd done quite well. And it's a very basic level job. Okay, there's nothing strange. And I just gave her a small pay rise. And you know what? She was she was had tears in her eyes. Mm. She's never had anybody give her a pay rise ever. This is a wow. mother with young kids and stuff. She was so moved by that. But do you know what? She's now one of my best managers. And she is so innovative. She just comes up with ideas and she just does things. She cares about her staff. And she's always coming up with ideas how to improve what she's doing. And what do you think are some of the biggest misconceptions in your industry? Well, been a- the biggest misconception people make about the services is that what matters is price. No, what matters most is service. Yeah. And, and 
I actually spend an enormous amount of time trying to convince my franchisees to raise their prices. I call it the cheapest chip system. I don't know if you've had cheapest chips over there, but um, <laughs> no, the wait, idea, I don't think you made it here yet. What is it? Well, what is that about? <laughs> it's a lousy idea. It's a lousy philosophy. You know, interesting thing about it too. Yeah. So, what is one piece of advice that you will give, give to all new franchisees? Um, just, just always every day ask yourself what can I do better learn come to meetings talk to your franchisor talk to your fellow franchisees look at what you're doing in the field test what you're doing and say how can I get better how can I how can I do a better job faster that is the one thing that makes the difference it's more important than IQ it's more important than education it's more important than looks it's more important than anything that one question and the difference between me starting as an impoverished, deeply indebted mowing contractor to where I am now is that asking that question all the time. I am not the most brilliant person in the world. I have so many flaws and faults, but I'm obsessional about that question. Character matters more than anything and anything that you can do to build your character. What's one piece of advice you will do, give to people to create a happy customer experience? Once you once you got to aim for customers is the only thing that matters when you're living service to a customer is is the customer happy. It's you can't think I'm doing the job in the way that the manual says or the or the the, the, the guidelines industry says. That doesn't matter. One thing only matters: can you make that customer happy? And what you've got to try and do is to make that customer amazed. What you want from the customer is not yeah that's good. You want wow. There's a story I tell in training about one of our cleaning franchisees who used to, he was cleaning a house. And one of the things he used to do when he's cleaning the house, he, he went into the, in the, when he's tidying up the master bedroom, he put these little throw cushions on the bed. Now, one day he was running quiet, you know, short time, and he didn't put the throw cushions on the bed. And you know what happened? The customer rang and complained to him that he hadn't put the throw cushions on the bed. And he was talking to me on the phone and he was so exasperated. He said, what is with this woman? I have, this is a job, it's not part of cleaning. It took me, he said, took for about five seconds to do it. I never quoted for it, I never invoiced for it, but she rings up and complains. I said, she's a nut. And I said, well, that's not the right lesson to draw from this. You did something that in your own estimation took you about five seconds, so important to the client that she actually rang and complained when you didn't do it. So I said, what you really need to do is look for the throw cushions on every job. That's the term we use, the throw cushion, the little thing that makes the customer really happy and delighted. You know, yeah. when they got a brush cutter, the first, I was one of the first contractors in Australia to get a brush cutter. And I, and I, and it used to bug me because I couldn't get around the, before that, I couldn't get around the trees and the, and the clotheslines and the canning walls. And then I could do it perfectly. But when I used to do it too, I would do the nature strip, I would do the front and do the back with a brush cutter. And as I was walking down the driveway, I'd keep it running and I'd zip the grass from the cracks in the driveway and I'd blow it up. Now, that is not part of the lawn, is it? It's a no. totally different job. But when a client looks out of their yard and they see what you've done, they might not consciously notice it. That's the thing that says, wow. Now, if you can wow people, if you can wow clients, if you can wow your franchisees, what's going to happen? Price becomes irrelevant. They're going to give you referrals. They're going to get upsells. You're going to get neighbors. It's 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 the royal road to success. Yeah, they're building on they're building on the feeling that you create inside of them rather than the 
pay and the price they have to pay for the service. Yeah, prices yeah. are a lot less important than people think. They, they, they're far too much focused on the right price. We, we, we push it. And I do that very bluntly and openly. We did a survey some while back where we looked at clients, following clients up, and um, looked at whether the jobs con converted or not based on the question of when they contacted the client. And we found that if they, we, we promised two hour callback, which most of our franchises do, of course. If they rang the client back after two hours, they, chance of getting the job was less than half. It was still substantial, less than half. If they call back within the first, after the first 10 minutes, but within the two hours, the chance of converting the job leaped to 78%. If they call back the client in the first 10 minutes after getting the call, 85% of their clients got the job done. Now, mm. what does that tell you? We are not the cheapest in the industry by any means. What it really says is that most of the time, nobody even tried anybody else. Well, otherwise, how could you get 85% conversion rate when we're not the cheapest? Yeah. So the, the speed of response was what mattered, not the price. Compete on service. Yeah. In other words, when you when you somebody rings, get back to them blindingly fast. You, obviously, you present well on the phone. You 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 set up a two-hour time slot. You never make a time. You always got to be two hours. And then you get there on time and you present well and you give them a nice-looking quote. Yeah. That, that's all about that. It's not about price. And people are so foolish when they think competing on price. I never, never compete on price. So what is your number one piece of advice to create a great brand uh, consistently at scale? <laughs> you've got to believe in what you do. You, you've got to believe in something. People don't, you know, people don't want to, don't want to go out there and give their best to make Jim rich, okay? Fundamentally, that's not, not the point, is it? You know, no. what, what do you believe in? People want, people want something more than themselves. People want a sense of community. They want a sense of purpose. They want something in life. What makes people happy? You know, it, it's, it's not, money itself has very limited effect. What makes, is, is, is fitness is a big difference. Relationship, really important relationships and a sense of purpose, a sense of meaning in your life that mm. you live for something beyond yourself. Who do you seek inspiration from? I have such wonderful people around me and I learned so much from them and from my franchisors. You know, someone like Paul King, one of my known franchisors, he is the biggest critic I've got. He lets me fly at me in no uncertain terms, but he also has some very good ideas and he's also very good at what he does. That's actually all the questions I have. Thank you so much for taking your time out of your day. It's been lovely chatting with you. Talk to you and um, hope it all goes well. Thank you for listening to Frontline Magic Podcast, brought to you by Ask Nicely. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, please give it a five-star rating. And remember to visit frontlinemagic.org and sign up to our community for free. Frontline Magic Community is there to help you bring out the best in your frontline staff. You can access tools, frameworks, inspirational stories that will help you create a great customer experience at the frontline. Visit frontlinemagic.org to learn more.